Hello, Mississippi and abroad, and welcome to Justify Your Existence, the podcast that talks SEC through the lens of Mississippi. I am Parrish Alford, the Ole Miss beat writer with the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. I'm joined by Dalton Middleton, our Mississippi State writer. Lots to talk about on the program today, including food. A lot of people get excited when we talk about food, and we're going to be joined by Alexa Appleman, the sports dietitian for Ole Miss Athletics. I knew there was this position within the athletics department, but it really kind of caught my eye last week uh, when I saw defensive line coach Randall Joyner tweeting out some pictures of some things uh, his players had cooked and put together. We're going to talk with uh, Alexa in just a minute. Uh, Folks, we would like to thank our partners with the Oxford Park Commission. OPC is looking for lifeguards for the city pool. For the summer, the season starts Memorial Day and runs through Labor Day. Candidates must be at least 16 and have a current lifeguard certification. Contact Aquatics Director Jamie Chandler at jamie at oxfordparkcommission.com. That's J-A-M-I-E at oxfordparkcommission.com. Or if you have no questions, just apply online at oxfordms.net. Dalton, how you doing, man? Parish man, I'm all right. Just trying to balance out a pretty uh, busy day over here in Starville. We got a pro day. We got basketball. NIT's coming up. We got baseball tonight. We got a spring practice in full effect over here. It's kind of it's a crossover season in full force right now. It it absolutely is. It sounds like that day I had Friday with uh, women's NIT at five, uh, uh, baseball at seven, and and the men at eight, and just kind of like hunkering down in one spot and monitoring Zoom calls and and uh, doing all of that. So it's still, uh, you know, uh, it's it's COVID coverage, uh, but we're working uh, hopefully closer to normal. But uh, anyway, busy day, uh, busy time of year in the crossover season. But uh, let's visit with uh, Alexa Appleman a little bit. Alexa, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys? Doing fine. Thanks so much for coming on with us. And uh, as I mentioned in, in the lead in there, I saw these pictures that Coach Joyner, Randall Joyner, the new defensive line coach, Uh, was putting out on Twitter. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the fun thing. You know, there's so much, so many other things on social media, but when you, people start tweeting out pictures of food, I think everybody looks, everybody, everybody watches that. And, uh, and I saw these pictures and I also saw the words cook off. So, uh, so what, what, what was going on there? Sure. So thank you for having me. Um, Pleasure to be here. Um, So we did a little bit of a competition with the defensive linemen Uh, they came in, we had a bunch of different ingredients there, you know, different protein options, different carbohydrate options, different vegetable options. Um, and you know, it was just kind of put your skills to the test. Uh, it had to be a healthy meal. It had to be something creative, something different outside of the box. Um, and it was just an opportunity for the guys to, you know, show off their skills and compete in a different way. Well, tell me, I heard you say healthy option there. Is that something that you really had to encourage with these guys? Because I'll tell you, in years past, I, I would listen to some of these players. It's going back to the Houston Nut era. Darrell Poe was a big cook, and I heard him talk about catfish and hush puppies, and uh, and and there was always uh, some ribs going down somewhere. And I, I heard a lot of these things. And honestly, these are some things that I find appealing. So, so I'm I'm asking, was it a was it hard for you? to get these guys uh, excited and into the, the healthy aspect of cooking? You know, honestly, not really. They were, 
you know, June, I mean, January came and, you know, the guys just had a completely different mindset um, when it came to, you know, changing their habits, changing their bodies, you know, really resetting for the year. Well, they reset over break and, you know, just came back so refreshed and ready to work and, you know, ready to work in the weight room and just to go along with that, ready to put in some work um, in terms of changing their nutrition habits. So, you know, it wasn't very hard to, you know, try to convince them to eat healthy. A lot of them came back just so energized and, you know, ready to kind of dial in and focus. And, you know, they wanted to be held accountable for, you know, their decisions around food and their meal plans and stuff. So, you know, we've just, I just kind of took that energy and, you know, ran with it. What about uh, cooking in general? Uh, where were these guys? I mean, did you have to start with, uh, you know, this is your wooden spoon. This is your mixing bowl. I mean, you know, wh wh where did you start with these guys? Sure. So they're kind of all over the map. They all have different skill levels. Some have been cooking forever. Um, some grew up in houses where they were the primary um, cook for the family, or, you know, they learned from grandma or mom, um, whoever they were living with, and some had no idea how to cook. So um, it was kind of fun to just have them all in the kitchen, because then they can kind of learn from each other as well. You mentioned, you know, there was, uh, everyone was kind of on board and wanting to change everything, but uh, is, was there a specific uh, position group or anything that you may, is it maybe a little tougher to get them to change some eating habits? So I guess, you know, offensive linemen may be a little tougher, but uh, is, is there one? No, for them, I mean, every position group, there's some that are, you know, so focused and ready to go. And then there's some that, you know, they're not just, they're not there yet. Right. And that's okay. And we're good with that. Um, when they're ready to start, you know, making some of those changes, then they know where my office is. They know there's a plan um, ready for them. And so, you know, every position group kind of varies, but for the most part, you know, just coming off a season like we did uh, last year and after the break and after the bowl game, they came back so energized and, you know, just ready to work. So that was really exciting for me. And it kind of just made my really easy. Um, in terms of, you know, getting rolling. Right. We don't have to throw any names out here, um, but are there, are there any uh, examples, I guess, of really, really uh, extreme diet changes that you can think of off the top of your head that you may have had to put somebody through? No, um, everybody's a little bit different. Um, we assess and evaluate everybody um, and just, you know, figure out where, you know, where they are in terms of, you know, their body composition, their eating habits um, and their performance. And then, you know, we just have the conversation with each individual athlete to figure out, you know, what are your goals um, and do a little goal setting session with them and figure out, you know, what's the plan? What are the steps that we're going to take, um, you know, to reach those goals? I know, uh, Alexa, that healthy eating habits have lifetime benefits. You know, we're aware of that. But I know that these football teams, and athletic departments, they're always looking for the competitive advantage. You know, that's, that, that's really a driving force with a lot of this. So, so what is the connection that you can share with these players, the connection between proper diet and performance on the field? Absolutely. So it all comes down to just energy, right? Like how do you train your body to maximize its performance every single day? You know, the demands of the sport and any sport, they're very high. Um, so just teaching them that they have to constantly keep up with the demand that they are asking 
of their body. So fueling correctly before your workouts, after your workouts, during your workouts, hydrating correctly, recovering um, after every single session. I always say the best, the best athletes are the ones that can recover um, after each of their workouts because they can reach that high level of performance every single time that they're asked to. Um, so, you know, there's major connections um, between, you know, proper nutrition and proper hydration and, you know, your speed and your mental um, awareness and your ability to think quickly on the field um, or the court or in the pool. So, you know, lots of connections and lots of different selling points um, when it comes to, you know, trying to get an athlete to dial in on their nutrition. So do, uh, do most of the players see that benefit right away? They can, they can make that connection? Some of them, yes. Um, some of them need a little bit of convincing, to be honest. Um, but for the most part, you know, after we put those pads on um, day one of practice, you know, they might be a little bit more <laughs> convinced after that. If, if there was a mission statement for sports dietitian, uh, what would it be? What, what are the, what are the goals uh, for the program? So I can share our goals um, here as a department at Ole Miss. And, you know, that's to provide a high quality um, service and expertise to the student athletes here, um, really educating them and empowering them um, through a variety of different services like consults, team talks, uh, grocery store tours, um, cooking demonstrations. So just being that resource for them that they can come to, you know, for anything nutrition related, um, being a really reliable source of evidence-based knowledge. What other sports do you work with or are you only football? Uh, so I oversee the department um, here and I work with football, baseball, um, and then I work with our disordered eating student athletes as well. Well, I tell you what, Alexa, we have really appreciated you being with us. I have one more question before we're going to move on and talk about some boring things like probably baseball and, and some other uh, other stuff. Uh, but tell me, uh, are there uh, any recipes you could share? Any any suggestions that you would have just uh, for a, a broad listening audience uh, today? Maybe some uh, some healthy uh, healthy uh, things that uh, you know, like like I was seeing in those pictures. Yeah. So. I feel like one of our, well, we have a couple of like go-to dishes that we teach the guys just kind of as a, like one of their first classes when they come in is either a pasta dish, like a chicken Alfredo. So kind of a healthy version of a chicken Alfredo um, and a hibachi dish. So just a stir fry, right? You can throw anything into a stir fry, um, just throw some. So our recipe for stir fry is use any kind of protein. So shrimp, chicken, steak, um, and then any kind of vegetable. So with that, it's kind of fun because all the guys have different um, tastes for vegetables. Um, and if you just chop them up really small, sometimes you don't even taste that the vegetables in there. <laughs> um, so with that, we've been using broccoli, zucchini, um, sometimes some shredded carrots in there, uh, sometimes asparagus, if the guys you know like have a taste for asparagus um, with that. So that's the base of it. And then the sauce is a soy sauce. So let's say half a cup of soy sauce, some brown sugar. So about half a tablespoon of brown sugar, just for that sweetness um, to kind of cut through the saltiness of the soy sauce. Um, and then some ginger powder, about a half a teaspoon of ginger, just a little bit, some spicy flavor in there. Um, and then some white pepper and black pepper. 
that sounds really good. That that sounds really good. I, you know, I, I've kind of uh, expanded in the kitchen the last, uh, I don't know, uh, 10 years or so. So uh, I, I like the uh, the sound of cutting vegetables small. I, I tend to cut too large and it usually uh, what I'm cutting up is sausage or something like that. But uh, Alexa, thanks so much for being with us. We're going to talk about uh, some other things, but uh, I, I appreciate uh, your time today. Awesome. Thank you guys. Have an awesome day. You too. You too. Yeah. Dalton baseball, uh, Ole Miss getting started uh, Thursday night. Uh, they'll, they'll have, uh, they've got the Thursday, Friday, Saturday series uh, in Tuscaloosa. And uh, it's going to be uh, what well, looks like uh, uh, probably end up being a Friday doubleheader or something like that. It looks like it'll be tough for them to get in uh, that Thursday game just based on uh uh, the weather forecast looks like we might all be looking for that safe space, as Matt Lobhan at uh, WTVA uh, uh, tells us about uh, during this time of year. But uh, I think the big news, uh, Ole Miss is getting, getting a little healthier uh, with their pitching. Uh, Mike Bianco told us last night after the uh, Central Arkansas game that Doug McKaysey will be back. He'll, he'll start in the Saturday spot. Uh, so they'll go Gunnar Hoagland, Doug McKaysey, and then Derek Diamond in the three games. Uh, let me say, uh, Doug will start in the game two spot. <laughs> that, that might be Friday. That might be Saturday. It uh, could be any time. But he'll be back. And right. it looks like they might have Max Chofi available, too. And, and, and frankly, uh, that bullpen uh, looks like it, it needs that experienced arm to come back. So, yeah, and so that, that's, that's always good for getting healthy, especially when SEC play starts. And uh, Alabama showed last week that uh, – you know they're uh, they're they're tougher than what some people probably thought they were when they beat Arkansas sixteen to one. So you know, uh, it looks like Ole Miss may need every arm available. Yeah, um, yeah, they were very very competitive. And uh, State, on the other hand, yeah, State's going to play Arkansas, so number two in the nation versus number three in the nation um, at in Starville. It's, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, and it should be a really good weekend, I would think. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not. I don't think I'm up to date on exactly on Arkansas's uh, starting pitchers and everything, but I do know like they, they are kind of a uh, pretty low in the SEC when it comes to, you know, stats wise, such as, you know, ERA and batting average and stuff. But, uh, you know, that's an experienced team that you can be kind of in lower on the SEC. They just know how to win. Um, so state's going to have a, a really, a really tough uh, home series this weekend. And, it's uh, kind of getting away, getting out of this, getting some of these tougher series out of the way. You know, you go to LSU and play opening weekend, and then you go host Arkansas, number two team in the nation, the next weekend. It's kind of back to back series. And, you know, I would have to think if, um, if State can pull two out of three this weekend, uh, they'll be feeling really good about themselves going forward because, you know, that you take out LSU and Arkansas already and you're sitting with a positive record. But, uh, that's going to be a tough feat. And, uh, It'll come down really, I think, to the Sunday starter. And uh, right now, we don't know who that's going to be, um, who Chris Lamonis is going to pick there. Uh, you know, uh, Christian McLeod and Will Bedner are going to start Friday and Saturday. It's, it's, you know, that's set in stone. But then that Sunday, you know, Eric Sarantola started last week. Weren't happy, they weren't happy with his performance. Um, so the Jackson Fristo is possibly going to start. Um, and you also have Houston Harding, who's thrown all the midweek games in. Um, they took him out of the midweek game tonight. You know, he, he has started every midweek game this year. And uh, I think they're moving him to the weekend or moving him to that weekend role or something so they can have him available for the weekend. But Mikey Tepper, who's a true freshman, is starting tonight. So, uh, 
they're making some changes in that Sunday roll. I'm excited to see uh, what they're going to, what they think they're going to do. Uh, interesting point you make on the schedule there, uh, Dalton, because look, uh, it's the SEC and, and anybody can pick you off. And, and while, uh, you know, Ole Miss uh, celebrated that uh, sweep against uh, Auburn uh, last week. I mean, look, uh, you win a one to nothing game uh, in game one. You win a six to five game in game two. Just a couple of hits, a couple of plays, and, and maybe those turn. So, uh, you know, anybody can get you in the SEC. But Alabama uh, this weekend, Auburn last weekend, those are not projected to be the elite teams in the conference. Ole Miss, so really – you know, not not starting out with uh, the, the the big hitters, the, the best teams in the conference. Those are still to come, and, and it's a difficult uh, conference schedule for Ole Miss as they pick up uh, both Florida and Vanderbilt to, from the east. So uh, it's important right now. You got to pile up those wins when you can get them, and it's hard to sweep somebody. And in, in, in any sweep, uh, you need to be proud of when you get it. But that third game, you know, ideally. It was explained to me one time, that, not that it's uh, rocket surgery or anything, but uh, a former uh, Ole Miss AD. I had just moved on to the beat. John Schaefer, man, years ago. He was a former uh, uh, college baseball player himself. The baseball season was getting started, and we were talking about that. And, and he said, look, the goal here is, you know, really, if you just go you – know, if you just win two out of three every weekend, then you go 20 and 10 you know, in a conference and that you're going to win a conference of 20 and 10 most of the time. That's not always true, but uh, right. he was, you know, his point was, you know, you just, if you could just win every series, well, you, you, you can't. And because of that, you really have to pick off those single games when you can, when you can get a sweep, you know, that third game against Auburn might make the difference uh, in something big down the road, but uh, Ole Miss not hitting its, uh, not, not really taking on the, the most uh, imposing teams in its schedule right now. Well, I think that's important for almost right now since, uh, you know, before the season, before this, when the schedule was made, of course, obviously this wasn't uh, thought about. But I think it's really important for Ole Miss not to be playing those, tough, those, those really, really tough guys right now because of the health status of some of the players on the team. Um, and so – Luckily for Ole Miss, you know, unless something else changes, they should be catching, you know, the Vanderbilt, the Florida, the Arkansas, the state later on in the season when, you know, when Nikhazy is fully healthy and, um, you know, maybe Kale Baker's back. Uh, and, you know, you get a couple of those guys coming back uh, later in the season that, you know, would, wouldn't be able to play right now. So hopefully uh, those guys have speedy recoveries and then all of a sudden those series are, you know, at full health and, you know, more exciting than it would be if you had a, you know, number four, number five pitcher up there starting on the weekend because your whole weekend staff's hurt or something. All right. Well, tell me about uh, State in the NIT now. Ole Miss, uh, the, the ladies, they just keep winning in that WNIT. They're in the final four of that event, uh, all, all games being played so far and will be played at Collierville High School. But uh, who does uh, – wh where is State right now in the NIT? Uh, State is in the quarterfinals. Um, they are playing Richmond. Um, and if they win tomorrow, they play tomorrow night. Um, if they win, they have the face the winner of Western Kentucky and um, Louisiana Tech. So it's possible that uh, they're playing against Stansbury over there. Um, but, you know, Richmond's pretty good. Um, I think they were, uh, 
I don't, I'm not sure exactly what seed they were. They were they were a two seed, went 13 and eight. So uh, you know, looking on looking on this bracket, uh, you know, Ole Miss was the one seed over there, and St. Louis was the one seed in, in Mississippi State's little square. So both of those are um, eliminated, and so State should have a good chance of being able to. Um, to possibly play for the semifinals or the finals here in the NIT. Um, but we're going to see, you know, this team's very inconsistent. So, you know, just because they played well against St. Louis does not mean they're going to play very well against Richmond. Uh, we've seen that uh, throughout the year that they are very, very inconsistent. So it, it's going to be uh, – we'll see tomorrow. I don't know too much about Richmond right now um, besides the fact that they're normally pretty good. But, but – uh, you know, state state played really well, rebounded wise the other day. So, so they're just uh, a win away from a possible matchup with Rick Stansberry, huh? Does that that kind of uh, stoke the fires in the NIT for state fans? They want to want to take on Stans. I don't know if they want to take him on or not. I imagine uh, I imagine that the, on Twitter would be pretty funny if they do because. Uh, People still t- uh, retweet uh, Rick Stansberry's old tweet. This is the great win for Mississippi State every time State gets a good win. So uh, that uh, that might be that might be a funny uh, situation if they're playing there, and uh, that that ends up having to, somebody will tweet it out, of course, if they, if they're playing. I don't think uh, there was bad so blood in that. Situation. I don't know. There wasn't bad blood. No, there. no, no. I don't think so either. So anyway, uh, no, I think people just uh, that. Yeah, no, I just I think for that situation uh, with the with the Twitter account, people poke fun at that because uh, I think usually when a coach changes, he either deletes his Twitter account or makes changes everything and deletes some tweets. And uh, he didn't do that. So he's still got some Mississippi State stuff up that they like to retweet all the time. Well, I'm not surprised that uh, Rick Stansberry wasn't so savvy as to dig deep into that Twitter account and start uh, deleting things or anything like that. Uh, That's that's not uh, real surprising. It might be. uh, I I wonder if uh, if if Rick handles that Twitter account or somebody does that for him. Uh, That that might be an interesting question. If if the matchup comes up, Dalton, you can say, uh, Coach, do you handle your own Twitter account or does somebody do that for you? Do you have like a a basketball ops guy that's uh, tweeting uh, under your uh, account. Uh, tell you what, Louisiana Tech was, uh, you know, is a very good team. Uh, not surprising. Ole Miss didn't play well in that game. That also was uh, was not stunning when they were down two starters. But uh, the freshman, and uh, I'm, I'm forgetting his name right now, uh, but a big guy in the, in the middle, just kind of a Charles Barkley build, you know, that kind of body type. Uh, you know, he played really well. And uh, I kept looking at that thinking, uh, Romello White still should be able to guard this guy. He's quick enough. He still should be able to an- anticipate that step and make him go to his right. He's trying to go left. And, and uh, you know, and it just uh, didn't uh, di- didn't get that done. And, and he had a really good game. So uh, if I'm recalling it right, I believe that uh, Tech and uh, Western Kentucky were both uh, the, uh, the division winners in Conference USA in the regular season. Uh, Tech in the West and, and uh, Western Kentucky uh, in, in the East. Uh, so anyway, uh, that could be an interesting matchup uh, as well. The Ole Miss ladies will take on Northern Iowa. And look, they got a shot to win this. Uh, I, they're just not, uh, I don't think there's a lot of excitement in the WNIT. So when you start with that, um, 
it's you have to credit uh, Yolette McPhee McEwen, who has been out uh, after a positive COVID test with with these girls wanting to be there and wanting to play and playing hard in the WNIT. And uh, now they've uh, they've won three games in the tournament and they are in the semifinals against uh, Northern Iowa. So, look, uh, when a team has had such a uh, uh, a bleak history as the Ole Miss ladies have of late, just the the opportunity to uh, be in postseason is a really nice growth experience uh, for them. And, and honestly, uh, they got a shot here, Dalton, to win the whole thing because there just aren't a lot of uh, teams in the WNIT on the ladies' side uh, who are equipped to really guard an athletic 6'5 girl in the post like Ole Miss has in Shakira Austin. So it's not only been Austin, but, uh, you know, right. others are getting some things done as well. But, look, that's the focal point uh, for Ole Miss, and and that's a big advantage uh, in this tournament. Um, a few minutes left, man. Let's talk uh, spring football. I know you kind of been uh, uh, getting caught up on that. Uh, uh, state's a little farther along into it than, than Ole Miss is. Uh, what, what are you hearing on that front? I, I don't believe you guys uh, have any opportunities to see anything over there. Is that right? Yeah, no, we're, uh, we had another media session last night um, with, uh, you know, a couple of assistant coaches and uh, uh, and, uh, and two student athletes. But, uh, no, we're, we're not available. We're not able to go to anything. Um, but, you know, they're not also not really telling us too much about it. But, uh, you know, we have pro day today, but we, we can't go. So it's like, you know, it's whatever. Um and what I'm hearing over there is really just, you know, kind of what I've been, you know, writing for the journal. And that's, you know, there's a, there's a pretty big quarterback competition coming up this spring. You know, Jack Abraham, the Oxford kid that played at Southern Miss is now um, on on a roster. And Chance Lovertich, who's from Jackson Prep, you know, played at Mississippi Gulf Coast, East South Alabama. He's now there. Um, and they've got three guys repping with the, the number one teams right now. So Will Rogers won that spot last year. You know, he played started the last six games of the year. But um, from the sounds of it, you know, this this isn't it's not his spot right now to you know to to hold. You know, it's anybody's spot uh, the starting quarterback role. So well, uh, Jack Abraham is obviously extremely experienced. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to jump in. Why do you think that is? Why, you know, why? I mean, and especially we, we thought he was playing uh, better at the end of the season. And all the talk last year was Will Rogers uh, talk of the future. You know, not that everything's going to be gift wrapped for you, but why do you think he's not a little farther uh, ahead right now? I mean, that sounds like a wide open competition and uh, that's a little unusual with the young starter returning. Yeah, I think it's uh... I don't know. I think they just, they maybe just didn't get the results they wanted at the end of the year last year. I know Rogers went three and three in his starts. Um, he beat Tulsa, Vanderbilt, and Missouri. Lost to Ole Miss, Georgia, and Auburn. Um, and I think I think I think the spot is going to be his. You know, I think that they brought in these older guys as um, you know competition. But I just don't understand if you know if Leach is wanting to build a program why he would come in and bring in Abraham or why he would bring in Abraham to start for one year, leave, and then give it back to Will Rogers. If you know what I mean, yeah. it doesn't really seem like some, somehow it doesn't seem like a way that you build your program. If you're just going to bring in a senior transfer quarterback or graduate transfer, or whatever, 
uh, Jack Abraham is. I know he's, he's an older guy um, to come in, lead the program for one year, like they did Costello last year. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's out after one season and then Rogers is back in there with only the same amount of experience he had two years ago. Um, so I don't know. I, I do think it's Rogers spot. Um, but, you know, he said that it's wide open right now. Leach told us that. And then all of a sudden he said, whoever wins it in the spring, it doesn't really matter because as soon as the summer camp and fall camp comes back around, it's, it's wide open just again. So I don't know what they're doing over there, but. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, there is no quarterback competition uh, at, uh, at Ole Miss, it is Matt Corral's job, and uh, that's different from last year. He had to win the job in the spring and in uh, August camp, and he did that, and he played. Uh, he had an exceptional season, uh, really, barring two games, but those two games uh, made a big difference uh, uh, in the, the turnover festivals there against uh, Arkansas uh, and LSU. It's, it's always amazing. When I think about Ole Miss's season last year, it's first under Lane Kiffin how close they were to winning those two games when they had seven turnovers. Like, seven turnovers, man, you lose that game by three touchdowns. But uh, they're ended at the end uh, in, in those games. So that, to me, look, Ole Miss had had some nice wins last year, and certainly uh, they're in the, the bowl game at the end. That was good against Indiana. But they were as impressive in some of their losses, the, you know, the Alabama game, uh, and, and the idea that, that they could put up the yards and points they did and still have uh, chances to win uh, at LSU and at Arkansas. So, you know, they did some good things even in defeat. Uh, they, they let uh, an opportunity get away against Auburn. But uh, all in all, a, a good, strong start uh, in Lane Kiffin's first season and a lot of excitement around that program right now. No quarterback competition, but uh, – you know, still a little quarterback drama right now because it just seems like uh, it seems natural that as entrenched as Corral is, that John Rice Plumley would move to slot receiver because one, you have an opening there. Two, he played that position uh, in the bowl game and played it well, having not practiced there. He played it well. Five catches, 73 yards, had uh, uh, some big plays on a you know, on a scoring drive, but uh, that's not a given, according to Elaine Kiffin. He'll have a conversation with John Rice Plumley after baseball. Plumley will miss most of spring. He'll get over there a little bit for all intents and purposes. He will miss uh, spring practice, but uh, it'll be after baseball that they will have a conversation and, and then really kind of determine uh, John Rice Plumley's future. But uh, right now, uh, if, if you got to label him, he's still uh, the backup quarterback. Folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, where we talk the SEC through the lens of Mississippi. Be sure to check out our work at djournal.com. Find that drop-down menu on the left. Scroll down to the Ole Miss Mississippi State pages and watch the stories flow. We're on Facebook as well. Ole Miss discussion with Parrish Alford, Mississippi State discussion with Dalton Middleton. Lots of uh, good things going on in those groups. Be sure to uh, check them out. Thanks for being with us, folks. Come back and join us tomorrow.